We have a lot to do. It's a lot of verses. So, quickly, Luke is telling a story. Chapters are great to find something, but they're terrible to actually keep the momentum of a story. So if you remember last week in chapter seven, Jesus is invited to this dinner. And at this dinner, it's at Simon the Pharisee's house. He would be the ranking official in that area. It'd be like us being invited to Rick Warren's house or Billy Graham, like it's a big deal. So he's there, there'd be important people all around, they're eating their meal, when right in the middle of it, in comes this woman of the night, probably dressed like it, and she somehow gets into this meal and she lays down and begins to wash Jesus' feet with her tears and with perfume and with her hair. And Simon's watching this, probably going, oh, this is awkward. Why did my guards do their job? And he thinks in his head, that's it. He has a thought in his head. And the thought is this. If this guy was a prophet, he would know who was washing his feet. And I can just see in my own imagination, the moment that thought goes through Simon's head, if he was a prophet, he would know. Jesus looks at him and says, I got a story for you, right? How awkward would it be? be to have a meal with Jesus, right? You gotta keep your thoughts pure the whole time. You're just like reciting Psalm 23 over and over. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What are you doing? Nothing, just keeping my mind pure right now. And he gives a brilliant illustration of forgiveness. And then he says to the woman, your sins are forgiven. And if we were in that room, you would have heard a collective, (gasps) And they say it. Who does this guy think he is? Forgiving sins. Well, chapter eight. Chapter eight is telling us who Jesus is. And it's in the brilliant, subtle Luke way. All right, so let's jump in. Soon afterwards, so Luke is tying this together. Hey, these stories flow together. This isn't, hey, weeks later, months later. Soon afterwards. He went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the 12 who were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. A side note, Mary Magdalene, some people believe, is the woman from chapter seven. And they only believe that because of proximity. So maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Nobody knows for sure. But here's what's important. Luke is setting us up for what to expect in this chapter. And notice in verse one, he says, Jesus went proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. How would you proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God? 
probably with words, right? When I proclaim something, I proclaim the Beavers are a great football team. I use words in that, right? So proclamation is telling. So he's telling the good news of the kingdom of God. But look what else Luke says. And bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. When you bring something, what do you do? Do you use words to bring something? Not necessarily, right? So right here, we're getting this little kind of hint that the gospel is not just something that's preached. It's actually something that arrives. And while I love Billy Graham and I love Campus Crusades for Christ, it had a huge impact on my life. And I love the book that they, they distribute millions of Henrietta Mears book, What's the Bible All About? And in that group, they put forward a way to present the gospel and it's called the four spiritual laws, right? Who's heard of the four spiritual laws, right? Not heresy. It's, hey, God has a wonderful plan for your life, but you're a sinner and you blew it. Jesus has come, provide a way back and you get that through grace, right? Four spiritual laws. Not heresy. It's a simplification though. And whenever you simplify something, you lose resolution. And my worry is when we think the gospel is the four spiritual laws, you lose real serious resolution. And so Luke actually begins to give us the resolution back. So watch this. Jesus is going to proclaim and bring the good news of the kingdom of God. Watch what happens. Verse four. And when a great crowd was gathered and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said to you, It has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables so that seeing they may see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked 
by the cares and the riches and pleasure of life. And their fruit does not mature. And as for those in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Jesus is going to be proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. And so verse four tells us crowds are gathering. People are traveling from all these towns, walking, they're coming. How big are these crowds? Massive. Jesus feeds 5,000 men, not counting women and children. These are massive crowds, unheard of crowds. It's not like, hey, I can drive to see Jesus. It's, I gotta pack up, I gotta get my stuff together, and I might walk a day or two to come hear Jesus. Why were they coming to hear Jesus? Well, chapter six, right? These brilliant teachings, easy to apply, not esoteric, not strange, very simple, right? If you hate your brother with no cause, you're murdering him. That doesn't need a lot of interpretation, If you've looked upon a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery with her. Not a lot of interpretation needed. So this direct style that Jesus had been teaching is attracting these massive, massive crowds. And I can imagine as they're walking there, they're pumped. Yeah, we get to hear Jesus. Can't wait for the sermon. It's gonna be so good. And they get there. And Jesus tells them about farming. What would they know all about farming? It wouldn't matter who you were. If you were a fisherman, you would still farm as well. Everyone would have a family garden. This would be the most plain, crazy thing they could ever hear. And Jesus finishes this parable all about farming, which they would know all about, and just says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. I can just imagine this crowd going, what? Jesus doesn't explain himself doesn't add anything else, is just silent. It would be like on Easter Sunday when we are doing our big thing on Easter and we're inviting people and we're out there and people are pumped and they're expecting something. I get up and I say, so this morning I woke up. I took a shower. I got dressed. I had a cup of tea. I ate breakfast. I warmed up my car. I put it in reverse and pulled out. Put it in park, went forward. Drove here. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Right? (laughs) That's what Jesus just did. The most ordinary thing that everybody would know about. It's, It's like, what are you talking about? That's why... His disciples come back and they're like, dude, what's up, man? You're blowing it here. Do you see this big crowd? They're all disappointed, man. What what did that mean? Nobody knows what you just said. That's what verse 10 or verse nine is. Nobody knows what you just said. It's amazing. What is Jesus saying about the kingdom? He's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Normally, what would they know about kingdoms? Rome. Right? Rome's the backdrop to all this. When Rome is a kingdom, what do they do? Might is right. 
They would march through a city and they would bring their entire army through that city and it was showing that city, guess what? Don't mess with this kingdom. We will crush you. We will drive you into the dirt. We've got more swords, more spears, more shields, more army than you can ever have. Beware of us. It's prestige, it's fear. It's World War II propaganda movies, right? Ever seen the propaganda films out of Germany? What'd they do? Thousands of soldiers marching in step, one after another after another, line of tank after tank after tank, missile after missile after missile, right? What were they saying? Don't mess with this kingdom. We will bludgeon you. That's kingdoms. What does Jesus say about his kingdom? It's a tiny little seed. Insignificant. Tiny. Right, you ever, anyone here collect seeds? Well, perhaps today with CBD and hemp, maybe people do. I mean, I guess that's not a good illustration anymore. <laughs> right, most of us don't collect seeds because they don't mean anything. Right? They're just ordinary, they're common. Who cares about them? But did you know a seed takes a gamble every time it decides to sprout? It gets one chance. If it sprouts in the wrong spot, it's doomed. It doesn't pick up and say, hey, I'm gonna move. It's, oh no, I'm dead. And so if you study a seed, a seed has these sensors to it. It can sense moisture. It can sense temperature. It can sense sunlight. And when it senses those three just right, it says, okay, here's the spot. Like it's a high tech little thing. Seeds, while they might be ordinary, they are incredible. Jesus says it's like a seed. Inside a tiny little seed is everything under the right conditions to grow a 400-foot redwood tree. The kingdom is like a seed. And Jesus says, this seed is extraordinary because, verse eight, it can yield a hundredfold. Normally, if a farmer goes and plants a seed, one seed, what would be a good return on his investment? Six seeds back. That's a good return. What does Jesus say? The gospel of the kingdom of God is like a seed that has explosive power to it. A hundredfold? All these farmers would be like, what? That's a crazy return. It's like geometric multiplication. You guys know what that is? I'll try to explain it like this. If you took a piece of paper, it'd be a big piece of paper, and you folded it 50 times, how thick would that piece of paper be? Who thinks it would be five feet tall? Raise your hand. Who thinks it would be to the roof? Raise your hand. Who thinks it would be as tall as the Empire State Building? Raise your hand. Who thinks it would go all the way to the moon? Raise your hand. Who thinks it would go to the sun? Raise your hand. If you folded a piece of paper 50 times, it would reach from here to the sun. If you folded it 51 times, it would reach all the way back here. Geometric multiplication. Because what's happening is it's doubling. Two, four, eight, 16, 32, 64, 128, 256. (laughs) 
4,096. I'll quit while I'm ahead. Right? It's doubling. That's geometric multiplication. That's the kingdom. Ordinary, little seed. But oh, if you only knew the explosive power in that seed. Hundredfold return. And then Jesus says, but there are three things that will hinder the kingdom of God in a human's heart. Number one, verse 12, the devil. He can and will steal away the good seed of God's word that could have this incredible explosive power in the life of a believer, he can steal it away. Number two, this system of, of the world we live in where we'll be tested. There's, your faith will be tested. Hard times, difficult days, evil people, bad things happening to you. God, why is this happening to me? That can ruin the explosive power of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And thirdly, your flesh. It can get distracted with the cares, with the stuff of this world, right? Jobs and money and power and pornography and drugs. And all of those things are, Jesus would say, terrible exchanges. You're giving up the good news of the kingdom, the inbreaking of the kingdom that I'm talking about. You're giving that up for those things? Oh, what a terrible exchange. You're losing the explosive power for that. Hmm. I tell people this all the time. Jesus is better than life. Whatever you in your little mind think, what in my little mind think, this would be life for me. If I had that job, if I had that thing, if I had that woman, if I, whatever it is, I'm telling you, Jesus is better than that. If I could just move to Hawaii, that would be life. If I could just be a snowbird and, and get out of the fog, that would be life. If I could just retire, I'm so tired. If I could just retire, that would be life. If I could just go to Disneyland, that'd be life. If I could just move to Merlin, that would be life. Whatever it is, I'm gonna tell you, they're a terrible exchange for the explosive power of the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. So the first thing Jesus says as he proclaims, listen, the good news of the kingdom is this. It's this subtle seed that seems so ordinary, but packed in it is explosive power. Number one, number two. Verse 16. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be made known and come to the light. Take care how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has, will be taken away. Jesus says, the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God is this. It's listening in light. 
Before that, kingdoms were built on this. Are you a noble person? What's your DNA? Who's your dad? And if you had the right kind of DNA and you had the right nobility, then you were in the kingdom, right? You were a ruler and the rest were peasants. Jesus says, the kingdom that I build is not gonna be based on your DNA or the class that you were born into. It's gonna be based on light and listening. It's gonna be based on revelation, right? So be very careful how your ears hear. Twice he's said that. Be very careful how you hear. Do we listen well? Right? You can get a degree in communications, but I've never seen a degree in listening. I think they probably should have one. Marriage advice I give all the time. All the time. It's James 1.19. Be slow to speak and quick to listen and slow to wrath. I tell men all the time, listen to your wife. What does that mean? You know, it means when her lips are moving, yours are not. It's that simple. And when she's done telling you something important, here's what you do. You say, hey, sweetie, I think I heard you say, and then you repeat back to her what you believe you heard her say. Now, why do you do that? Because we don't listen well. And then she has the opportunity to say, I did not say that. Oh, well, what did you say again? That's how you listen well. James 1, 19. Do we listen well? I'll tell you the greatest secret I ever learned in learning God's word was this, taking notes. Just taking notes. I have journals and journals. I have boxes full of journals where I just wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And I think you have to use a pen and paper. And if you're young, you're saying, what's a pen? You'll find it in a store right next to these white things, these sheets, right? Matt, why can't I use a phone? Well, have you ever been on your phone when you should be doing something and been distracted by your phone? Anybody, right? So you're in church on Sunday, you're in church on Wednesday and you're gonna take notes on your phone and you're like, man, I just wanna check Amazon for a snowboard. Check out that deal. And you leave and say, how was church today? It was awesome. What'd you learn? I don't know, but man, I got a snowboard and I got a really sweet wool sweater and some gloves, man. Right? You get distracted. But here's the other thing about writing versus tapping on a screen. Science has found when you form the letter A versus when you punch a keypad that has the letter A, when you form that letter, it goes way deeper into your brain. It's a much stronger memory because you're, you're, the more senses you involve, the more motor skills you involve, the deeper memories are embedded into your brain. So actually pen and paper cause you to remember more. I hardly look at those journals anymore. But the fact that I went through the discipline of writing the notes put something in me. I listened well. And then thirdly, never, never say, did my wife write that down? Did my husband get James 1.19? Because on the way home, he is going to listen to me. I'll tell you what. The first thing you do is this. God, what does this mean for me? That's the first thing I ever do before I ever teach a text. I'm going through that text saying, God, what does this mean for me? 
Do I need to confess something? Do I need to get straightened out somewhere? God, is it I? Is this text for me? To me, that's how you listen well. So Jesus is in the kingdom. It's gonna be different. It's like a seed. It's got this power and it's explosive. And then it, it's, it's in the right conditions. Oh, with this right heart, look out. It's going to be incredible. And now he begins to say, verse 19, then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, hey, your mom and your bros are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear, how important is hearing in this text, are those who hear the word of God and do it. Third proclamation, the good news of the kingdom of God is there's a brand new family. Who here thinks Jesus seems a little rude in this text? Your mom's outside waiting to talk to you. Tell her to take a number. Get on my calendar, right? I got an appointment next week or maybe in a couple weeks from there, but not right now. Like, whoa. Well, there is context to this. Mark chapter three tells us that his mother and brothers believed Jesus was crazy, literally in the Greek, out of his mind. He had gone cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and they're like, we gotta take you home, man. You're crazy. You think you're God, you're saying all this stuff. You're nuts, right? We're taking you home. And then John seven says they didn't believe what he was doing. So there is context to this. And what Jesus is saying is this. When you step in, allowing that seed to take root with its explosive power, your highest allegiance now is to a whole different kingdom. And you have to be careful about how family will affect the decisions that you want to make for the kingdom. Mom, dad, I want to be a missionary in, in China. No, 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 no. You need to be going to Harvard and get your MBA, right? Happened to me. So I have an uncle, his, he's awesome, Uncle George. I love him, right? He is not a believer. Uh, he is big on education. He has a master's degree. My Aunt Linda has a PhD in mathematics, right? They're, they're, they teach at a university. They just retired, but they're education. So when I got my engineering degree, he was really stoked. He's like, good job, go for it. And then in 97, when I said, you know what? I'm quitting my job and I'm gonna go to this school at Applegate Christian Fellowship called the School of Ministry. He's like, what? He actually drove down and had a meeting with me. He wanted to talk to me. He's like, okay, so explain this to me, Matt. T tell me about this, this school that you're going to, please. I said, well, um, it's, it's out in Roosh, Oregon. Where? You haven't heard of Roosh? Oh, well, it's in that sticks, essentially, at the church. He goes, so it has its own campus? Well, it has a house that's a five-bedroom A-frame. I guess that's, that's, yeah, that'd be the campus. Oh, man. Well, well, is it accredited? No, no, it's not accredited at all. Uncle George, it's, it's not accredited. Oh, well, do, do you, when you graduate, do you get a degree? No, there's, there's no degree. Well, the curriculum that they're going to use, it's, it's seminary curriculum, right? No, the only thing that we use is, is the Bible. Yeah. 
Well, when you're done, you'll, they'll give you a job. They'll place you in a job somewhere, right? Uh, no, no, there's no job afterwards. Well, the professors, they all have PhDs, right? No, but I think most of them have their GEDs. <laughs> he didn't think it was funny. I did, I thought that was pretty good. Oh, what else do you do? I said, well, we'll, we'll, we'll learn to build these cabins. We'll build these cabins for them. Oh, but you'll get paid to build the cabins, right? No, they don't pay us to build the cabins. In fact, we have to pay to go to the school. So he goes, so you went to school, got your engineering degree um, from a fine, respected institution. <laughs> PhDs, professors, accredited right? You have a great job. You're making good money. You're going to throw all that away to go to this school in Roosh, Oregon with 24 other students. You're going to work without pay. You're going to study the Bible from men who barely have a high school education. And when you get done, you'll have nothing. Yeah. Now that you put it that way, it does sound like I'm nuts. See, family may not understand the call and direction that you have on your life, just like Jesus. And so Jesus says there's a new family that we belong to. It's a family that is part of the kingdom. And those are the people because they understand the explosive power of this seed that gets planted. So you got a new family. And the cool thing is I've been all around the world And I've met family all around the world. It's the most amazing thing in the world that you connect with people. China, Africa, South Korea that love and serve the same king. It's cool. So he's now preached, now he's gonna proclaim. Or excuse me, he's proclaimed, he's now going to bring it. So verse 22. And we're gonna go fast. This is when I speed up. So hold on. One day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him saying, master, master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves and they ceased and there was calm. And he said to them, where is your faith? And they were afraid and they marveled saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even winds and water and they obey him. So he is now bringing the kingdom and the good news of the kingdom of God is this, creation will be tamed. In Genesis one, when God created and said, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. It is very good. Do you think that very good creation had hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes? No. What happened? Romans 8, 20 through 22 tells us, all creation has been subject to vanity, to futility. And right now it's groaning and travailing, waiting for the revelation of the sons of God. Waiting for you and me to take our rightful place in the order of creation where we will say, storm stop. That's what it's waiting for. That's coming. That's coming. This thing is going to be stopped. And you can obviously apply this. And here's how I apply this. 
every boat is going to go through a storm. And it's very often in the place that you think you're strongest, right? These are men of the sea. They're fishermen. This is where they're most comfortable. And it's where they fail. It's where they fail. But Jesus is in the boat. So I tell people all the time this. With the Ignorance series, I bet you I've had 40 or 50 conversations on people saying, how do we deal with this? How do I deal with somebody who is saying they're transgender? How do I deal with somebody that's saying, hey, I'm homosexual and you're telling me I can't do this, but I love him, I love her, whatever it is. How do we deal with this? You know what I tell them? Just stay in their boat. Stay around them. Invest in them. Talk with them. Ask good questions. Listen. Listen, 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 listen. Don't lecture. And guess what? Eventually a storm will come. And when the storm comes, man, there's opportunity if you've listened well. Storms will come. And people that think, man, I'm a good person. I don't need God. Or I I just want to do this and I think I'm going to do my right thing. You know what I'll ask them once I've invested well in them? This is the question I ask them. I don't beat them with sin. I say this. How's that working for you? How's that relationship working for you? Do you wake up in the morning with a joy that's indescribable? Do you have a peace that passes all understanding? Do you have a purpose that transcends the daily grind? Do you have those things? I have yet to have one person say, yeah, I got all that. They all say, no. Time for a revelation of Jesus then. Stay in the boat. So the good news of the coming kingdom of God is this. Man, chaos creation that's chaotic now will be tamed. Number two. Then they sailed to the country of Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? How good is the theology of demons? (laughs) I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then said, what is your name? And he said, legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. And the pigs came out of the man. And the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. And the herdsmen saw what had happened. They fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had been gone, begged that he might go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. 
and he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Demonstration number two, bringing of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom of God is our enemy is defeated. So verse 12, Jesus says, hey, there's this enemy out there and he will seize the the explosive power of the seed from people and now he shows us, but I've defeated him. He's no match for me. Now this guy, everyone would know about him, right? Do you remember growing up, was there the one dude that everybody in the neighborhood was afraid of? And I had him, it was the Murray house. It was exactly one block from us. And it, it was a crazy house. Like it was the end of trapping. Like I don't think people trap anymore, but they trapped. And they would take the, the carcasses and they would hang them with the skins on their front porch. And they would just kind of ooze out this stuff and it would drip down their porch out and pull out into the road. And it was still like dirt road there. So it was crazy. They had these just old trucks out in the front with, with grass growing in the beds. It was the only legal grass they had at that time. The rest was ill. They just did drugs in the back. It was insane. My kids would not walk, well, my kids, my friends would not walk by that house. They'd be like, uh-uh, we choose life. We're going all the way around. I'm like, bro, that's a long way. Such... No, no. We had a neighborhood watch program. It was watch that neighbor. That was all it was. Keep an eye on them, right? He's this dude, like everybody knows. Like, ah, this guy is insane. Look out for him. And they tried everything, but it didn't work. And there are diseases that doctors can cure. Praise the Lord for that. And there's mental issues that counseling and walking can help. But there are spiritual things that that will never help. It doesn't matter how many drugs you give them. It doesn't matter how much counseling they give them. It's not going to take care of this. So yesterday, Kate Scudstad and I met with this gal. She came walking in here Sunday ago. And she was, a, it was a, after 11 o'clock and I was headed over to the Q&A. So she said, hey, I got to talk to you. I woke up this morning and I was told to come. I don't even know you. I've never been here before, but I was told to talk to you. I'm like, well, uh, I'm busy. I got five minutes. She goes, hey, we'll take longer than five minutes. So I said, okay, let's set up an appointment. So we sit down with her. Kate Scudsat and I do and start to hear her story. Great lady, brutal. You know, you're just, you're, your heart's tore out with the evil of this world. And she's seen some evil and had evil done to her. So your heart breaks. And so I'm just hearing and listening and we're talking and, and she has some physical stuff and, and she's shaking and, the, and she's, she's, she's desiring Jesus and desiring to be used in his kingdom and she's being used in the kingdom. So I just started asking her some questions. I said, do you hear voices? She said, yes, I do. I said, what do those voices say to you? She said, those voices tell me I'm stupid. Those voices tell me I have no light. I'm a blow it case. I'm nothing. I'm worthless. I've gone too far. I said, are you hearing those voices right now? She said, no, when I came up here, they stopped. And so we begin to walk through this. Okay. And I turn to Ephesians 4, 26 that says this. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Provide no stronghold, foothold. Greek is topos, like a, a map. Provide no foothold for the devil. 
that there are things that I can do. I can live in a certain way that chips away at the armor that God has given to me and gives the enemy the right to be there. And so that's why we pray Psalm 139, Lord, search my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me on the path everlasting. So when we confess sin, cleanse me from that. I don't want to provide a spot for the enemy to come after me. But I said, that's not always the case. Because Matthew 4 tells us Jesus was attacked by the enemy. Did Jesus have some secret sin in his life? No. Did Jesus have some kind of generational curse from a really bad dad that was a bad photocopy of a bad photocopy of a bad photocopy because they set up images and stuff in their house? No. Why was Jesus attacked by the enemy? Because he was the brightest light. And sometimes you get attacked by the enemy because you're hurting his kingdom. And that's what was the deal with Jesus. And I said, here's what Jesus does. With every attack, Jesus says, it is written. Truth, explosive power of God's word. It, three times. Every lie of the enemy meets a truth of God's word. It is written. And then at the end of it, Jesus says, be gone. Devil takes off. And then it says, angels came. Angel just means messengers. Angels of God came and ministered to Jesus. I said, that's how you do what you need to do. You start getting a journal and you write down every lie that that demon's telling you. And right next to it, you write a truth. You're stupid, no way. First Corinthians 2, 16. I have been given the mind of Christ. You have no light in you. No, Colossians 1 and 2. You've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and you are now a child of the light. Every single lie, you just bring God's truth to it, the explosive power of God's truth. And then you say, you have no right over me. I am part of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom of God. I am part of that kingdom, and you have no right to me. Be gone. And then you get around messengers of Jesus people that are into Jesus stuff. You just stay plugged in. And she's like, that's exactly what I needed to hear. That's it. That's the good news of the kingdom. Sometimes there are voices and it's you. And sometimes there's voices and it's the enemy. And you have to identify that's the enemy and we got to get rid of it. And I love, love verse 35. They come. Everybody knows this dude. He's the crazy dude. And there he is sitting in his right mind. They're like, what in the world? Last time we saw you, you were Ozzy Osbourne with a Duck Dynasty beard doing a heavy metal video. And here you are now sitting, taking notes at seminary. Hey, that's fascinating. All right. And they're just like, what in the world? Get out of here, Jesus. Right? This is too crazy for us. How awesome is that? Because the good news of the kingdom is this. All the enemy has now is smoke and mirrors and lies and deceit. He has no power, none. He's defeated. That's the good news. That's bring it. Jesus is bringing it. One thing, I shouldn't even do this, but I can't help it. This is Bible study right here, verse 39. Watch this. Watch how good Luke is. The guy wants to go, hey, I want to be your 13th disciple. Jesus says, no, I got a job for you. Be my first missionary. Verse 39. Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. What is he supposed to do? Go home, 
declare what God had done for him. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. What did Luke just do right there? Divinity of Jesus, right? How subtle, how brilliant is Luke? Jesus is God, right? Well, who, chapter seven, Simon, who does he think he is? There's your answer. He's God, demonstrated. He's demonstrating it, okay? Man, two minutes, here we go. <laughs> for he, when Jesus returned and the crowd welcomed him, um, for there were many waiting for him, and there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had only... He had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. I have a picture of this. You can put it up. This is from uh, when I was in Israel. It's brilliant. It's one of my favorite pictures. And immediately, her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surrounds you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. When the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. The good news of the kingdom of God is this. Sickness will be healed. We need doctors now. But when the kingdom finally comes in totality, Jesus is saying, I'm bringing it. It's inaugurated. It's beginning right now. And when it is completed, every disease and sickness will be destroyed. That's Revelation 21. And Jesus is showing that right here. For 12 years, this woman had to yell, unclean, unclean, everywhere she went. She would be lonely. No one would touch her. And now, healed. Verse 49. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing him, answered, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, child, arise, and her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and he directed that someone should give her something to eat. And the parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. The good news, the demonstration, the bringing of the good news of the kingdom of God is this. Death, the final enemy, is defeated. How brilliant is this chapter? He preaches it, and he brings it. This is what the kingdom will look like. Creation will be tamed not crazy like it's been. The enemy is going to be defeated. Sickness will be no more. And death will be defeated. And twice Jesus does something. He touches people that were untouchable. Right? A woman with the issue of blood, you're not supposed to touch him. She wasn't supposed to touch him. And then, secondly, he touches a corpse. Why don't you touch corpse? Why don't you touch a dead body? Because death spreads. Right? Whatever killed that person can come to you and kill you. We know that. Disease spreads. If one sick guy goes to the office with 10 healthy people, does the sick guy get healthy because he's around healthy people? No. The sick dude makes all the other 10 people unhealthy. So stay at home, please. Right? We know that. 
Death is contagious. But what Jesus says is, in the kingdom, in the kingdom, life is contagious. You don't make me impure. You don't make me diseased. My life, the explosive 100-fold power of the good news brings you life and makes you pure and makes you clean. That's the good news of the kingdom. This is inaugurated eschatology, that what Jesus brought 2,000 years ago was a sampling of the kingdom that we get to enjoy to this day. And one day he will finish it. One day the kingdom will come in its full presence, and this is a preview of the kingdom of God. So Father, this day, May we be in amazement at the good news of the kingdom of God. The kingdom that every believer in you, every person that has trusted that Jesus is Lord, the king of creation, the defeater of death and Satan, and sickness, and the healer of every wound, everyone that believes in Jesus will enter into that kingdom in its fullness. May we take hope in that. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.